welcome to episode 52 of the False Neutral Podcast. I'm Pete. Eric is with me today. Garrett is not. He's busy bonding with his two extremely well-behaved, beautiful children, I'm sure. Uh, our special guest this week is Abby, and I'll let you pronounce your own last name and tell us a little bit about uh, your connection in the bike world. Sure thing. So my name is Abby Ishwarappa. And uh, I run a little website called Bike Curious, which is uh, started out as just a way to share interesting motorcycles that are currently for sale, kind of how Hooniverse started, really, with cars. And uh, it's since grown. I've been very lucky to uh, have a website that's resonated with some people, and it's since grown. So now I have opportunities to uh, go to press launches for motorcycles, uh, test them, and uh, in general, just have as much fun I can and, as I can and, and share those stories with people. Very cool. And you've, and you've got some, some pretty high profile attention lately. Uh, got to hang out with Jay Leno. Uh, that's right. On Jay Leno's garage. I was very impressed with that. So are you guys like best buds now? You go to dinner parties together. He showers you with gifts, all that kind of stuff. Well, it depends on if you ask him or me, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I will, I will say that he has been pretty much the nicest guy in the world to me. Um, I randomly met him out on uh, on the snake, actually, at that little overlook on the top of the snake. Uh, it's uh, or Mulholland Highway for people that aren't familiar with that. And uh, we just started talking. I'm actually from the same hometown as him, as Andover, Massachusetts. And so that was an easy way to start a conversation. And uh, he ended up kind of showing me his garage and doing a little tour of everything. Asked me how he could help, and uh, and he kind of thought that a couple episodes on his on his YouTube show would help, and they and they really did. Uh, awesome. and you're also friends with, uh, Anakit Varden. Yes. Yes. That guy's, he's incredible. Uh, yeah, I met Anakit. I think that's an under, that's an, that's an understatement. <laughs> it's truly, I'm truly selling him short when I say that. Yes. He is really one of a kind when it comes to his ability to design and then not just design, but also create from hand. It's, I, I'm very impressed with him. Uh, I met him through my site a couple of years ago. I think it was, uh, it all started with some guy that had developed a V3 engine with, uh, starting with a couple of Harley V twins and it fused them together. And, uh, it just led into this conversation with readers discussing this and that. And, oh, have you heard about this guy who's building Royal Enfield V twins? And so I went out of my way to go meet him. And as soon as I talked to him, I knew he'd be the perfect guy to, to introduce to Jay. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so what is in your personal stable? What, what bikes do you have that are your own set of wheels? Fair enough. So uh, I have two street bikes. I've got a BMW K1200R and a BMW R1150GS. And the, uh, the GS is more of my get-out-of-town bike. I've taken that to the top of Alaska and done a few other trips with that. Uh, my my girlfriend is five one, and so it was difficult for me to find a bike that she felt comfortable on. Eventually, we settled on a 1968 Honda S90. So I ride that <laughs> I ride that once a week just to keep everything going. I look like a circus bear on a bicycle when I'm riding it. I look ridiculous, but it brings me a ton of joy, and uh, and it also kind of inspired the logo to my site really. And then for for dirt stuff, I've got a KTM 450 XC and a 1983 Honda XR350R. Although I have to admit the latter is kind of in pieces at the moment. 
Well, yeah, none, none, none of us on the show are familiar with bikes and pieces scattered no. around a garage. <laughs> that's, that's actually most of what we have are not things we ride, just things that we go down and I call it creatively putting parts in close proximity to each other. It's not even actually fixing things. Yeah. A lot of imagination, a lot of dreaming. So uh, if if you had unlimited resource what is the one bike you would love to have in your stable that you don't oh wow oh man uh probably a vincent black shadow there you go that but that's nobody's that's gonna argue with that <laughs> i know if, yeah if you ask me that question again in 10 minutes i'll probably have a different answer but but that's that's what i feel like right now if you asked me that question a month ago i would have said something with a sidecar uh couple hours ago maybe something like a modern sport bike but yeah there's just something i I really do love adore old bikes or sorry i really uh adore old bikes and uh, that to me is just as good as it gets well see with the black shadow that's as much a piece of sculpture and art as it is anything else and what i don't think some people realize you know younger people nowadays don't realize how it was not only fast but construction wise it was so forward thinking it had two shocks, but it was mounted up on the top of the swing arm like a monoshock. Um, it had uh, really not a, a real frame to it. Everything just bolted on. It was a stressed engine with everything bolted onto it. Uh, what was it? You could flip over the rear wheel and have two different sets of gearing on it. Right. And uh, just the hydraulic girder forks on it. It's just <laughs> like... If nobody had ever heard about it, if it had never set records and been famous, you could walk up to it and say, this is a remarkable motorcycle. This is exceptional, even if you didn't know the history behind it. Mm-hmm. Are there other bikes kind of along that line that you are, are are drawn to? Or as you say, it kind of kind of depends on the week. Yeah, it definitely depends on the week. I'd say along those lines, uh, a Bruff Superior, an, an SS100, yeah. sure. would be would be along those lines. Again, if you there's, get no, drool over if there's Jays, no budgetary. Right? Sorry? Did you get the drool over Jays? Oh, Multiples? yes, I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he just got a bunch of them. Uh, if I understand correctly, he is now currently, he has the most Bruff Superiors of anyone else uh, in the world. Wow. At, at this point. So, yes, there, there's a whole bunch of drool over, and they're all really, really nice. And that's the other nice thing is he he doesn't just you know leave them in the garage and have them sit there. He just fires them up and he takes them around and it's it's just a joy to watch. You've given all the really classy answers. Do you have any guilty pleasures like things that are the the Britney Spears CD of the uh, uh, <laughs> of the motorcycle world that you really enjoy but you're not sure you want to admit? Okay, fair enough. Uh, you know what? A Honda Grom is way up there. Oh, okay. I, I just I I think they're so much fun. It's you know it's funny. It's hard, especially nowadays. Very few people are making bad bikes, so it's it's tough to to say there's anything I'd be ashamed to like. Uh, even if it's honestly, an older bike. I, sorry. Even if it's an older bike. That's true. Even if it's an older bike, I had an experience with uh, a Ural recently, and. There's a lot to not like about it, but it is so charming. Uh, well, you like your BMWs, and it really is just nothing more than a 1937 BMW. I mean, really. Which would be fair if it was 1940 right now. Right. <laughs> right. Well, but no, it's a, sadly- it's a BMW 
built by drunk Russians. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't know if either of you are familiar with a dual sport ride called L.A. Bar sort of Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they just had their oh man, I should remember this either thirty second or thirty third year. And they do it in uh, the sort of after Thanksgiving. Uh, I had done it with a buddy of mine last year, or rather in 2015, on our KTM dirt bikes. And we had fun, but we didn't think it was challenging enough. And so this this time around, I, I got a friend of mine who, uh, his name is Spurgeon Dunbar. He works for Revzilla, if you've ever heard of Revzilla. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he came out, and we, we decided to do LA Barcelona to Vegas on, on a Ural sidecar. And so you have all these guys on proper dirt bikes and us just bringing up the rear in this in this two-wheel drive Ural. It was terrifying but so much fun. Uh what was what was terrifying about it? Well, I mean was it was it actually fearing for life and limb or just that you were going to get stranded somewhere or just that it took a lot of concentration to keep it pointed where you wanted to go? Could it be a combination of all three? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So uh, to be fair, the only times it's really terrifying is when there's any sort of uphill grade. Uh, the rig is about 750 pounds empty. Uh, then you throw two guys, uh, add another 400 pounds or so in there, uh, plus our gear, plus camera gear, all that fun stuff. And so it does. It's not a it's not a featherweight, and the bike the the motor makes about I want to say it's low 40s, maybe 42 or 43 horsepower. So if there's any sort of hill. You have to have a ton of momentum going into it. Otherwise, you are going to get stuck and start rolling backwards and potentially run over a guy on a KTM, which might have happened to me. <laughs> so so that's, that is really the, the biggest limitation. Um, there, the two-wheel drive is also interesting because the way it's set up, it's pushing both from the bike and the sidecar wheel, but they push equally. And so I, I want to say it's Mark Hoyer over at Cycle World. He put it really eloquently, and I'm going to butcher it now. But he basically said, when it comes to two-wheel drive on the Ural, you have the choice of going forward or steering, but you can't have. <laughs> and it's so true. So it's really so there's, it, no, it there's no differential in between the two no, drive wheels. There's not. So it functions. Wow. In a sense, it functions like four-wheel drive low on a truck. So you're only going to use it to extricate yourself from a from a sandy situation or a bad situation. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> so it's not full time. Correct. Okay. Correct. You can, you can engage it and disengage it with a, with a lever. And, uh, and on a trip like that, you're going to be using, using a lot. Can imagine. With that said, it gets more attention than anything else I've ridden ever. Period. So if you want to just put around town, give rides to people, it's a great way to go. For People that don't ride think inherently that because it's on three wheels, it's safer than a motorcycle, whereas <laughs> I would absolutely disagree. Uh, but it's it's very disarming, it's very charming, and it gets a, a lot of attention if you're into that. Uh, so well, you, you've, you've said you were – took a trip to Alaska. What uh... – what trips would you recommend that people you would say people need to do? Oh wow! Well, okay. So that trip to Alaska so far is is my favorite. Uh, obviously, with something like that, I think what's harder for people most of the time isn't actually uh, scrounging the money up or anything like that. It's just being able to take that much time off. Uh, I had to take three and a half weeks, and even then, I wish I took more because there were some days that we were just rushing uh, to get back. 
So uh, with that said, things in a, in a shorter nature, uh, I just a couple of months ago, I did Los Angeles to Cabo on, uh, on the new BMW GS. And that was a great trip. I've done that trip a few times before, but only on pavement. And this time with the GS, I got to explore a little bit of dirt and see some new things. And I think that's just a wonderful trip on a motorcycle. Uh, the nice thing is, especially when you get out of the country, it's uh, as long as you're not necessarily, you know, if you stay outside of Europe, for example, it's pretty darn cheap to rent a bike and get around and explore places. Um, I would I would highly recommend uh, Costa Rica as a great place to rent a bike and to be able to explore. Uh, I've, I've not been to Cuba myself, but I've heard similar things if you're willing to to put up with a place that's not yet ready uh, necessarily in all places for that infrastructure of tourism. But I, I kind of love that stuff. I like getting out there and, and seeing new places. And so Cuba's on the list for me. Uh, this summer, my girlfriend and I are going to be taking a lap of the United Kingdom and and, uh, and Northern Ireland. We're excited about that. I'll let you know how that goes. Very cool. Uh, other trips. The thing is, if you know, I living in Los Angeles as myself, there's as, as I do, there's only certain certain ways you can go uh, before it gets boring for a chunk. So if you want to head up the coast, obviously PCH is a great option. Everyone needs to do that. But if you start heading east, for example, towards Phoenix, you really have to to get creative to uh, to come up with a route that that is interesting on a bike and instead of just burning yourself on the freeway for for hours on end. So I'm guessing that Lebanon, Kansas to Rugby, North Dakota is probably <laughs> not on your list. That is not on my <laughs> list, no. Have you had to do that yourself? Uh, actually, I started an annual ride on the summer solstice, <clears throat> 675 miles from the center point of the 48 lower states to the center of the North American continent. I've I've heard of this. What There's a... There we go. Yes. Yeah. I oh, start, I didn't realize I start, you were behind that. I started that with uh, my wife and my best friend uh, three years ago. So, so what were you thinking? Well, my friend Rusty, who's been on the podcast before, who also has uh, your all sidecar. Okay. Uh, he and I used to work together at a motorcycle dealership in St. Louis. I moved to Kansas City. He moved to Colorado. And we try to get together and do something together, go ride. And it always ends up being somewhere out in Kansas because, you know, if we both head toward each other, that's where we end up. Mm -hmm. And we've done toured all kinds of little towns. And I happen to say to my wife, hey, we should take Rusty up to this place where there's this monument that marks the... Uh, center of the 48 contiguous states. Uh, that's pretty cool. But, you know, you, you get there and what are you going to do? It's just a marker in the middle of nowhere. We should have some kind of like party or festival or something there. And I found out that if you go up Highway 281 straight north for 675 miles, there's a very similar marker in Rugby, North Dakota, 42 miles from the Canadian border that marks the center of the continent. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you should ride between those. She's just like, ride in a day, I was like, I, I got an idea. Do it on the solstice. Leave okay. it dawn, get there by dusk. You'd have the most sunlight. And she's like, who in the right mind is ever going to want to do this? Well, I posted it on ADV Rider. And the first yep. year, we had 15 people. And right now, okay. we're, we're about three months out. And we have approximately 60 people that have signed up for this year's ride. So uh, Congratulations. That's so, great. Yeah. And it is a really boring ride. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know. Sure, sure. Um, wow. So it's, and it's mostly a two lane without a lot of traffic. 
And there's a part of it where it's kind of interesting, but then you just hit open plains in for about the last half of South Dakota and North Dakota until you get maybe 40 or 50 miles from your destination. It's just wide open tundra without the ice. You just have <laughs> wide open land, which actually several people have commented that they've never driven through that kind of territory and actually were impressed just at the whole scale of, you know, big country. Yeah. Huh. And you said it's about 700 miles in the day is what you're covering? It, yeah. It's, it, it's basically two thirds of a saddle story. You've got yeah, yeah. 675 miles in 16 hours. So you're yeah. doing two thirds of a day, two thirds of a thousand miles. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the saddle sore. Have you done any of the, the iron butt rides yourself? No, I've done a thousand miles in 24 hours, but that was in my, uh, Toyota Tercel in college. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. saw the, uh, the motor, the motorcycle.com guys did, uh, did, what they, oh, they did two yes. Harleys and, they and did, did two a Harleys. They did, and, uh, uh, yeah, and Evans did. and I can't remember who is. I think Tom Roderick. Yeah, they did a thousand miles. They filmed a video. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That that yep. stuff. That's very challenging. And actually, I, I'm I'm bummed because, well, I'm not bummed. I'm I'm excited they did it. But I uh, I actually convinced a friend of mine. His name is Nathan May, uh, to do the same thing last year. And so we, but we, I, you know, I personally, I thought that doing it on a big Harley dresser was a little too easy for him. So I made him do it. Uh, Ducati was kind enough to lend us a bike for this project. We had him do it on the X Diavel S, which is wow. their mm. their full. Yeah, this poor guy at the end of it was deaf and uncomfortable. <laughs> and but we, you know, we we so we did the story where he rides this cruiser a thousand miles in in twenty four hours, and it was his first iron butt ride, which was really exciting. But when it's uh, we're a small group, you know, we try to do these things for fun and, and have a good time and share these stories. So we have a bunch of video footage still just just sitting here waiting for us to finally get around and, and put it together and, and share that story. So I, I just wanted to I've I've been talking to Nathan about doing an iron butt ride for a while because I've, I've done a couple myself and, and he wanted to do one. And I said, I'll help you do it, but I'm not going to make it easy for you. <laughs> so no windscreen. Uh, Ducati put their aftermarket technically not road legal uh terminoni exhaust system on i mean it was so loud i couldn't be behind him i just i had to be uh, to the side or in front of him and the poor guy <laughs> i mean he was he was more upset about the noise than he was about the riding position by the end of the day <laughs> but really a great bike though i've heard they're good for a couple hours <laughs> yeah I, that's if i if i had actually if i actually owned one that's probably the limit of what i would do on one but I figure it's more interesting when someone has to suffer. That's why we do these silly things like, you know, a, an X Diavel for a thousand miles or a Ural for LA Barso to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got a Honda Grom. Like I said, I'm a big fan of that bike, but I wanted to see uh, how fast I could go on it. Now, the problem is because it's only displaces 125 cc's, the state of California does not allow you to take it on a, on a highway or a freeway. I mean, that doesn't really stop people considering it, uh, when it's rush hour, everyone's doing 10 miles an hour anyway. So no one's going to notice when you're splitting lanes. But I thought it'd be cute to try to see how fast I could go. And if I wanted to record it on video, I should do it somewhere that's legal. And so what we ended up doing instead was filming uh, in the L.A. River. And so I ended up taking this Grom on the L.A. River, <laughs> just going as fast as I could by myself. You know, for for scale, I'm 6'2". I weigh about 180. And... uh I got to about 55 miles an hour. 
and uh, I thought there would be a way to go faster. And I took some inspiration from one of my favorite stories of all time from the magazine Car and Driver. Years ago, when Honda released the Insight for the first time, they had this, their press launch was this really clever idea of start in this city, go to another city. And the magazine that got the best gas mileage at the end, I don't remember what they won, Eternal Glory or something like that. And <laughs> they were like a $20, $20 yeah, trophy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A, ga- a gas card. <clears throat> um, the car and driver guys, uh, depending on who you ask, they either were brilliant or they cheated. And they rented a Suburban. And nope, it was just, a, uh, wasn't a Suburban. It was a Ford uh, Expedition. Oh, it was an Expedition. Thank because you. Because it had the bar, because it, it, the, the, the tailgate, the glass part lifted up, and then the, the tailgate opened up like barn doors. <laughs> yes, that's right. So it right. created a bigger, a bigger hole. Yes, see. Good man. Exactly. I, I, that's right. I know, I know several people who have worked at Car and Driver Road and Tracks. I'm in Detroit. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Kind of like when they do the land speed record runs on bicycles and they have the big cone in front of the rider. To, right, uh, right. To exactly. Break the yeah, wind for exactly them. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, all... and, and, and the insight was like up two feet or a foot and a half off mm-hmm. the bumper of this thing. And they were going like 40 miles an hour on the side <laughs> of I-75 trying to maximize. Right. Oh, it's a whole. Yeah, it was so a whole, whole, whole production. Yeah. And it was I found it really fascinating. Obviously, all about aerodynamics, trying to punch a hole in the wind. And so I kind of. Stole that idea, and uh, I had my friend with a Honda Element do the same thing, and she just drove in front of me. Thankfully, unlike back in the car and driver days, I was able to use a Cena headset and sort of use Bluetooth and, and talk to my buddy. So if she needed to break, she could give me a heads up. But just same thing. I just drafted right behind her, and no other change besides that that SUV blocking for me, but I was able to hit red line at 73 miles an hour just by... <laughs> Just by doing that, so it probably had more to go if the gearing would let it. Uh, but it's just it's just silly silly projects like that that we like to try to do and have fun. Well, speaking of gluttons for punishment, last year yeah. I was up in Alaska during SmackDown on the solstice, so uh, I was not able to go. Uh, another guy, Brian Cryer, took over as trail boss, and he did the ride on a WR250 Yamaha. Oh God! Uh, I don't know if you can see our transcript but i just uploaded the picture and uh, he just packed it down with all his stuff and uh didn't have a a windshield on it or anything just a couple of hand guards (laughs) and he did the 675 miles uh from oh god are those he has knobbies on it too oh yeah oh yeah oh i would assume he put (laughs) oh wow yeah that is so so he was he was hardcore yeah, I, I was very impressed with that. So he currently owns the record for the smallest bike to complete it. Uh, I'm. Oh, is that right? At some point, uh, I want to get like a 200 or something and and beat him, but uh, oh, not, not this year. So. Oh, that's great. Well, so typically, what speeds are you averaging during this this run? It it's not basically you have to average I think like 42 miles an hour for 16 hours. So you can you can do the speed limit you know, right at the speed limit and still stop for like 10 minutes an hour to get gas and eat beef jerky and stuff like that and get back on right. and do that for 16 hours. Or you can find places in this vast tundra where you can see for a mile ahead of you and maybe right. ratchet just a few miles an hour above the speed limit and then sure. you know, stop and order dinner at a diner and... <laughs> My wife and I were on Can-Am Spiders, and she had a USB plug in the lighter socket so that she could run her communicator. It didn't go dead. 
So she had a wire right. going up to our helmets. And she was running a Garmin GPS, which was totally superfluous. You're going on the same highway straight north the whole time. But she had those plugged in. And when we got out to go have dinner, she said, oh, I should unplug these so it doesn't drain the battery. And she pulled them out, and it popped up and and did a nice little pirouette in the air and landed right on the little rubber boot around the steering head and dropped inside there. So we lost like 40 minutes of trying to reach <laughs> down in there because we were like, oh, man, is this going to jam against the steering on the road mm-hmm. or anything? So we got in like the last ones to come in because we lost darn near close to an hour after having had a really nice, you know, we were like, oh, let's get off the road. Let's order dinner and have a waitress bring to us and and right. get it, get a refill on our water and really relax and then we came out and was like oh no this so we got in about 45 minutes before dusk and we were the last ones to arrive okay so okay wow so um, i'm gonna have to come join you for that if you would that would be really cool i it was really disappointing because this year uh i had made inroads with victory motorcycles we're going to fly a uh (laughs) journalists in to do the ride on the new victories because they they're touring oh, wow. bikes this year they put a whole lot of additional electronics in there they were really looking to show it off and they're like hey this is in the midwest this is going to be the perfect mm-hmm. opportunity for journalists to get bored and want to play with all the toys mid-ride right, right. and show yeah. how comfortable they are and we're there we're going to bring a whole semi down with all of our bikes we're going to put you on the map we're going to have them write articles about this experience. I'm like, oh, this is so great. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, in of mid-December, course. they stopped answering my emails, and I couldn't figure right. out why until I got the announcement of, okay, you don't exist anymore. So that was just <laughs> – that whole house of cards came down. But I was I was really mm-hmm. pumped about all the PR we were going to get for the ride through that, and it and it didn't happen. So That's a bummer. Well, I know you guys talked about the uh, the new Harley Street Rod recently. Any chance you could get Harley to do something similar? Oh, not hold my breath. (laughs) (laughs) The the contacts I had at Harley are long gone from back when I used to cover road racing, and they were involved in that. And everyone's Mm -hmm. either moved on or they wouldn't remember me at this point because it's been (laughs) way too many years. And I'm sure they've tried to uh, expunge anything about road racing from their history and and corporate (laughs) knowledge based off the results. So, yeah. yeah. I've... (sighs) I've peeked behind that curtain. I've sure. I've seen the sausage being made at Harley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So. The, the only other suggestion off the top of my head I could give you is uh, is Eagle Rider. Have you talked to them? Mm, no, I haven't. I I hadn't even thought about them, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's the only. And I mean, I'd be glad to uh, put you in touch, and maybe they could uh, partner with you for that because that's. I, I mean, hey, you know what? It's. I realize it's not everyone's cup of tea to, to cover 700 miles on a, on a, on a road in one day, but there are people who, who like that kind of thing and, and they'd find this very entertaining. It works for, works for Eagle too, in the sense of, Hey, fly in and do this ride on our rental bikes, right? We exactly. actually had somebody that was planning on flying up from Arizona and renting a bike for it. And he had some obligations and had to withdraw, but uh, yeah, I actually already had somebody talking about doing that. So yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that's worth a shot. I'll, I'll talk to them. That would be very cool. So, go going back and and kind of to the beginning here. Talk about how bike curious uh, you kind of started that and and have grown it to to the point that it is now. Okay, sure, I'd be glad to. So uh, for me, it started because I was a huge fan of bring a trailer. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, back in, say, 2011, 2012, they had, they had been dabbling in motorcycles. Uh, and they even had a, a separate site for it called Throttle Yard. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was a huge fan was all every morning would get the daily email and just go through it. I couldn't afford, I was a basically a broke recent college grad. Couldn't afford anything. It didn't matter. I would just sit there and dream. And uh, at some point, I think late 2012 or so, they they shut that the bike side down for for whatever reason. And I was really bummed about that. And I remember I kept whining to my girlfriend about this over and over again about how this didn't exist. And after make it up after about three months of of putting up with me complaining about it she finally said either shut up or do it yourself you don't get to keep complaining and so i basically you know i thought why not let's i didn't think it would go anywhere i just thought it was a really good excuse to teach myself how to build a website i thought it was a good skill to have and uh, why not make it about motorcycles which is which is something i love and something i'm really interested in and so i actually started it while I was bored in an accounting class in, a, in an MBA program I was doing at the time. And so I just, I gave it a shot and I remember I just started writing posts. I, I think that first week I had all of three visitors and that's kind of what I expected I would have for the next few years. And, uh, just, it just started growing through word of mouth and, uh, little things here and there, obviously, Going on Jay Leno's show was was huge for me. Having the opportunity to talk to people like yourselves or the uh, – I was on the Peterson podcast a couple of months ago. So That's little things like this. I'm sorry? That's a big one. That's a bit. Yeah, you guys you guys had James and, and Kyle on recently, I I, I think. They, on the, they were on the, on the yeah, Hooniverse. The main yeah, Jeffers did, yeah. Yes, yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, so they're great guys. They're really into bikes. And that's one of the things that I've just really adored about the motorcycle community in general. They're very, very nice people who are willing to help. And I've been very lucky to be the recipient of a lot of that. And so uh, unlike Bring a Trailer, I think for me, part of the problem was after, I mean, I, I started to feel like a kid in a candy store that wasn't allowed to eat any candy. I'm just looking online at all these great bikes, but I mean, I don't get to ride any of them. I don't get to really even look at any of them. And that was a, was a little bit of a problem for me. So I started to... I, it's a problem for all of us. Yes, yeah, it? <laughs> I, I have to... Th- I have to throttle back how often I look at your website because I'll just be gnashing my teeth over this bike right. or that bike. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, I do hear that a lot, which I which I appreciate. But so after a while, I just I, I thought, hey, I, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I'm very I'm very lucky to be close to pretty much the epicenter of the motorcycle industry. And I just started meeting people, talking to people. And, and for me, my first press bike ever was actually a Honda Grom. Uh, and from there, just being able to to do stories like that and, and spread the word, it just kept leading to more and more opportunities. It's just one of those things where it really feeds off itself. So like I said, uh, I did that Ural sidecar story. And uh, from there, I, I got the opportunity along with Spurgeon again from, with, from Revzilla to uh, to do a, a, separ- like a separate story with a rental company called MotoQuest, if you've heard of them. They're mostly based on the West Coast, but they stand out because – as far as I understand, they're the only big motorcycle rental company that would allow you to take a bike uh, down into Mexico. Mm. Uh, and so at least by yourself, it's not not as a part of a guided tour. Right. And uh, and so they had an interesting opportunity where they had uh, they do also run guided tours. And so they had, I think, 10 customers 
uh, paying for a guided tour from L.A. to Cabo, and then 12 customers for a guided tour from Cabo back up to L.A., and they had seen that, you know, we had met them at the Long Beach Motorcycle Show, and we talked to them about the Ural idea. They thought we were crazy. Uh, but after it all worked out, they said, look, we have we have these two extra bikes that we either we have to trailer them down there or do you and your buddy want to ride them down? <laughs> we'll absolutely ride them down for you. No problem. <laughs> and so that for so February, my Spurge and I just took a week off and and rode down and, and had a great time. So for I've, again, I've been very, very lucky. And uh, I just try to keep feeding off that and and trying new things and, and seeing what sticks and, and what doesn't. Yeah, timing, timing, your your timing and your location are are amazing because you're catching the upswing as bike sales are finally picking up after yep. about a decade of lull. You're in right. LA at the epicenter because I I was on the opposite end of that. Okay, so fair enough. I started a website I still have, but completely it doesn't look anything like it did before. Uh, it's called RumbleStrip.net, and I covered motorcycles, motorcycle road racing, and and that industry. And I started it in 99 and 2000, which was great because, you know, everything's going great. And I worked in the tech industry, well, telecom industry, uh, for this little company called WorldCom. Um, and about 2002, A, a the, the, the dot bomb happened and WorldCom went out of business. So, right. um, and I was trying to do something like what Motorcycle USA ended up doing, which was, you had content, but then you had this web store over here that sold gear, and actually the gear funded the yeah yeah that that was all right. going great because the day job paid for everything, and yep. you could afford to run at break even or a little bit of a loss. And then when the day <laughs> job went away, all of a sudden you're like, well, I guess I'm shutting this down because I'm you know <laughs> multiple. I I could go buy a nice uh, German car for what I'm in debt right now. So, right, right. You know, so yeah. Um. So, and, but and- I mean, it, it takes. It takes perseverance, and you've done it, so that's that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to say, I think that's why Throttle Yard didn't last, and yours has really taken off, is the amount of passion and dedication you want to put into it. Throttle Yard was a side project for them, you know? Right. And I, and I don't think they ever really uh, sold out to the idea of how much that was going to take. Uh, years ago, I got to know, uh, I can't think of his name now, the guy that started the... Uh, four stroke singles national owners club. And he told me about starting that club and he said, I'm going to take one year or it was like a thousand dollars. I forget what it was. And okay. if this doesn't take off, I'm going to give it up when I hit one of those two. Right. And after the first year, he was like three thousand dollars and he'd spent on it. And he, and he, yeah. but at that point, it had become so much a part of everything that he did. He was like, I can't give this up. And, He's been like the, there are no elected officers. There's no, it's just him. He runs the whole club. Right, right. He has for like 25 years. Yep. And it's, it's his whole life. It's, I, I don't think people appreciate how much work it takes to, to do what you do and make it work. I know I never tried to make money off of it, but I had a little website years ago that my friend Rusty and I were sending crazy Everything we could find that was just really off the wall goofball vehicles back and forth, you know, die wheels yeah. and bizarre stuff. And I had a, a folder full of stuff. So I thought, Hey, I can put this together in a little website. And this was probably 90, 96, 98, somewhere like that. And I put together a little website called Industrial, uh, and started putting them out there and realized within like three weeks, I'm out of content. I, the, <laughs> 
you know, there's such a voracious yeah. appetite for content when you start oh, yeah. putting stuff out there. You can't right. recycle the stuff. It's still out there. You can't go right. back and reuse reruns. And it's like, so, and I was really, really impressed with when we met and you said, oh, you've been to Snap Judgments. Snap Judgments. I which, love that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is what I did before I joined Hooniverse. Okay. Uh, and I deliberately did it so that I could knock it out in no time. It was like okay. a couple of paragraphs and a couple of star right. ratings on a bike that I could do in 30 or 40 minutes. And I did that for a couple of years. And even that, it got to the point where I'm like, uh, the well is empty. I don't have right. anything more that I can talk about. And about the time I joined Hooniverse, I just kind of, you know, folded the rabbit ears down on that one and said, okay, we're, we're going to stop transmitting. Right. Well, but th- I, with that said, it does it does take a smart person to realize when it's a good time to quit. So there is there is something to be said about that. Instead of trying to just make stuff work that 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 won't work. Yep. Yeah, I, I I loved Snap Judgments. I thought it was great. I refer to it on my site every once in a while when if if there's a bike that I'm featuring for sale and you've done a a quick thing on it, it's a it's a great way to say, look, I haven't had I've never had the chance to ride this bike yet, but you know what, Pete has. Take a look at what he thinks. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I was very impressed the first time I thought I was like, Oh, he's referencing me. It was it's like <laughs> it's like playing brush with fame, you know. Abby, thank you very much for joining us. Uh oh, you, thank you. you. Thank you for giving us some much needed uh credibility. <laughs> oh. I think you're being a little too kind there, but I appreciate it. We will have you back again sometime and please take a minute and plug everything that you want to plug. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, the website is bicurious.com. Uh, it's spelled B-I-K-E and then a dash U-R-I-O-U-S dot com. But really, if you just Google any sort of variation of that spelling, you'll find it. And uh, there's similar social media accounts, but if you want to, you'll get there. It's, it's no big deal. If you want to take a look, I appreciate it. And, and hopefully you like what you see. And uh, search for Abby's name at Jay Leno's Garage, and you can see a couple of episodes that he's been on there. Absolutely. Eric, thanks again for joining me. Absolutely. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>